If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of 2 Timothy. And by the time I'm done reviewing, we'll have a few more handouts to distribute. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, we were, last time we got together, we were talking about the Apostle Paul and his death sentence and what he would write if he uh, was going to give final instructions. And that's really what he is doing. He, he, is gonna, he knows that his, uh, by the time we get to the end of this epistle, we know that he has ran his race, he's finished his course, and, uh, and he's leaving this letter for his son in the Lord, Timothy. And, and so last week, we looked at verses 1 through 12, and we talked about the importance of last words. Um, we talked about Paul's two imprisonments, the one that we see in the book of Acts, where Paul is, you know, has liberty, and we talked about some of the contrast between those. Uh, we also saw uh, the potential that Paul could have taken a trip to Spain. Um, talked a little bit about Paul's arrest. And then we jumped into the text in chapter 1 <clears throat> as uh, we talked about his final instructions before leaving earth. So, um, <clears throat> so you know, the, there's an acronym for the Bible, biblical instructions. Believers live every day for a Bible fellowship. But there's also um, biblical uh, instructions before leaving earth. That's another acronym that people use for the Bible. So I think that's right. Bi- biblical instructions before leaving earth. Yeah, so I've heard that one as well. <clears throat> So uh, let's go ahead and just read the text, and we'll pick it up uh, in the outline, and hopefully uh, you'll have yours here in just a second, um, uh, and then you'll be able to catch up. So Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I might <clears throat> that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles, uh, for which, uh, which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I, ha- for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day." Heavenly Father, we're so thankful uh, for you, thankful for the the praises that have gone up tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to meditate upon your word and then to pray. Lord, do that priestly work as, uh, Lord, you called us to be kings and priests. You call us to pray in the last epistle, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, to pray for kings and all that in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, You know, first of all, that intercessions and prayers and giving of thanks be made for all men. Lord, so we are commanded to do the work that we're here to do tonight and we're thankful for examples like the 
Apostle Paul that in the midst of uh, great affliction and suffering, in the midst of uh, great hardship, very difficult hardship uh, in his second imprisonment, he writes this epistle with such clarity and such focus uh, under very difficult circumstances. And so, Father, I thank you for the inward man uh, that gets stronger and stronger as the outward man dies day by day. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would uh, learn to embrace that, Lord, and and that we would look forward uh, to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Help us to endure hardness as good soldiers, Lord. Help us to remember, um, Lord, to walk in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and not to try to fulfill in the flesh what you called us to do in the Spirit. We thank you and we praise you and we ask a blessing upon the reading and the hearing of your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, um, last time we got together, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, some of that difficulty, some of the comparisons between the imprisonments. Um, the first imprisonment in Acts, uh, you know, we can see in Acts 28 uh, was written, um, wrote uh, Acts 28, uh, Paul wrote the, the prison epistles in Second Timothy. That's the only letter that we know of that we have from him. The first imprisonment was... Um, you know, it was really he was under persecution from Rome and arrested as a criminal against the empire, and it was political. Whereas he was accused of the Jews of heresy and sedition as a criminal in his second imprisonment. Uh, his persecutions were local and sporadic uh, persecutions in his first imprisonment. Uh, versus the Neronian persecution of AD 64 through 68, which started really 300 years of Roman persecutions, uh, 10 waves of persecution that came across Europe uh, during that time. Uh, we talked about how he had de- decent living conditions in his rental, rental home in Acts 28, 30 through 31 last time, and how he was in a poor, cold dungeon uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So there was quite a contrast between his first and second imprisonment. He didn't have visitors uh, in his second one. His first one, he had many friends that visited him. In his second imprisonment, he was virtually alone, pointing out that only Luke was with him in 2 Timothy 4.11. And then many opportunities for Christians, uh, you know, Christian witness were available to Paul He the, back in his first imprisonment, but they were restricted opportunities for witness uh, in his second. So the opportunities for witness were restricted. And then we saw that uh, he was optimistic for release uh, and freedom in his first imprisonment and anticipated his execution in 2 Timothy 4.6. So he wasn't really looking forward or thinking that that was coming. And so... It's under those circumstances that Paul wrote uh, this uh, this epistle. It was very personal, practical, and powerful. And so last week we got into point one, which is final identification. Um, and so Paul identifies himself formally in 1 Timothy 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, and this, again, this is review. We, we, we got through that last week. He identified himself formally. And then Paul identifies with Timothy very personally. We talked about that as he said to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, a deeply personal identification with his son of the Lord. Um, and, of course, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so they both are identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ together. And point C, Paul, uh, Paul <clears throat> there are seven ways that Paul identifies himself in the first chapter. And I listed those for you there on the handout as an apostle, a father, a servant, a prisoner, a preacher, a teacher, and a sufferer. So that's where we left off, and now we're into point two. So uh, now we're talking about the final instruction. So last week uh, we got into the uh, identification, the final identification. Now it's the final instruction. Uh, And so point A are the attributes of Paul's instruction to Timothy uh, found in 2 Timothy. So his his instruction is understandable. As Paul uses simple examples to illustrate profound truth to Timothy, Uh, his instruction is also applicable. 
the things that we see in Second Timothy are things that we can put to work in application immediately. Right. So there's a lot in Second Timothy that we can use right now. Uh, his instructions are repeatable and teachable. The way Paul outlines and illustrates his information allows it to be easily repeated and taught to generations to come, uh, including our generation. So the things that are in here we can teach as well, and we are to teach. We are commanded, uh, by the way, to keep these things and teach them, and so we should. Uh, and his instruction is memorable, uh, and so uh, understandable. It's understandable. He he, expl- he uh, uses simple examples to illustrate profound truth to Timothy, and then his instruction is memorable. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how many of us uh, have this book memorized cover to cover. I know I don't, but uh, there are large portions of it, even in Second Timothy, that are easy to memorize. Um, you know, it's possible to even memorize entire epistles. I got a friend in, in Texas who's memorized a good bulk of the New Testament. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot in here that we can memorize. A verse that you'll hear around here quite often is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Uh, I think many of you probably have that memorized. Um, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's really built into the fabric of what Paul is concerned with in 2 Timothy chapter 2. As you get to the end of life, as you get to the end of anything that you've invested your life in, you're going to be interested in making sure that it's sustainable when you're gone, right? And so... Um, I, I know when I worked in the business world, I had the I had I don't know if it was the privilege or the curse, but I had to develop the uh, archiving system for all of our documented drawings and all of all of our construction documents and all of that for for jobs and projects. And so we had you know these file cabinets and we had these numbering systems. And back in the old days, when we'll get into the details, but under DOS you couldn't have a sophisticated long name. You had to have all this this uh, nomenclature to, to to make things happen. And so you, you develop all these systems, and then one day it's time to leave and be a pastor, right? And you just leave all that behind, you know? You hope somebody at least respects and honors it, you know, because you're like, who's going to maintain all that? You, you, you think, uh, and so who's going to maintain it are the people you left behind, that you trained behind you, right? And uh, I don't know, they, I'm sure they're not using that today. Time's flown by. But at the end of the day, uh, that's going to all burn. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the Word of God, you want to invest in people that are going to be there. And Timothy is that guy. So, um, you know, and he's he doesn't want Timothy just to be successful. Timothy he's not successful unless he invests what God gave him into others. And that's what he's saying. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So he's interested not in in children, but grandchildren. Right? Uh, that's what he's interested in. And when you think about that in the context of ministry, like who are your grandchildren? Now, if you're just getting started, don't sweat it. But uh, But over time, right, we should not just have babies we should have babies and then after we have babies we should have grandbabies and then hopefully great grandbabies right and so it's really cool when you start to see generations so like right now i'm personally praying there's a guy named david that was recently affected by uh some 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 um I'll just use the word seditious uh, teachers, some people who crept in unawares to to a church plant in Romania. And he's sort of like uh, our grandchild in the Lord. Uh, I say ours, Amy and I's, because Doug led him to Christ. And it's a really cool story. So he leads him to Christ. He gives him a Bible. 
uh, he didn't like select the Bible. He just takes the Bible out of the box, the Bible that we sent, and the Romanian Bibles that we sent. This guy, David, who got saved, opens up this Bible, and in the cover, it's got a letter from Amy and I that we wrote in the cover back when we bound, I think we bound those messages into the Bible. So he just, out of all the Bibles we sent to Romania, the guy that Doug led to the Lord, he gives him a Bible, he opens this Bible up randomly, uh, and that Bible is the Bible that we, that, that we uh, gave. It's just like, oh, that is just awesome. So I pray for David, the first fruits of, uh, the first fruits of Romania. Right, and so, and so I, I, I get word that, that David's struggling because some people came in and were undermining the authority of the local church and the pastor. Um, that's in, it's a nebulous formation right now. So, uh, so what do you do? You pray, and you what do you pray? You pray Second Timothy right? that this guy can stay and stick, and that that Christ can be formed in him, and it won't be pulled, rooted out, and that uh, there's grandchildren that keep going, just like anyone would do with anyone's with any grandchild, whether they're physical or spiritual, and so. Uh, that's what Paul's looking at. Is he's looking at, at reproducible fruit in these final instructions? He, and his instructions are understandable, they're applicable, they're repeatable, teachable, and memorable. And so, Second Timothy two three, uh, very familiar. To, if you just keep going, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. How many of us have not heard that? I just like literally quoted that before I came in the room in another context. For no man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. And if any man also strive for the masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Of course, a husband is someone who is, is tending to vines, is a vine dresser or a farmer in essence. And so uh, there, the, there's the application of, of uh, you know, being a, a faithful man that's a witness, someone who's going to give their life. There's also that of being a, uh, a man that's a, a, uh, you know, a, a, a husbandman, a laboring to, to bear forth fruit. And then in chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, And it's faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him if we suffer we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Uh, if we believe him not, uh, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. So you can see that Paul's ratcheting this thing up beyond this life into eternity. He's like, hey, look, what we do now affects eternity. We need to be ready for the judgment seat of Christ. right? And so it's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Paul said, I die daily, right? And so we should die daily. And Paul's setting the example for Timothy. And of course, uh, you know, we don't know, I wasn't there, but uh, history records that Timothy was uh, martyred in Ephesus, Ephesus uh, as a martyr. So he became a witness, just like his father in the Lord became a witness. He died uh, for the cause, and of course, uh, with many disciples to follow in tow, I'm sure. And so. Uh, if we believe not, you know, he abideth faithful. You know what? Even when we fail, we have confidence in the Lord, right? Because none of us bat a thousand, unfortunately. We make mistakes. And so, but God's gracious and he won't deny himself, right? So we have that confidence in our identity in Christ and we can take his instructions and we can run with them as we ought. And so that's passed on generationally through the Word of God. And so 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show uh, thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a responsibility for the workman. Right, and not, uh, we got this farming analogy. We also have this workman analogy, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Again, these are verses that most of us have memorized in our discipleship or just in our course of, of uh, life. Second Timothy two twenty two. Flee also youthful lusts. And these instructions can be understood and memorized. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 
right? So the contrast of following youthful lust is following those that have a pure heart. And so, um, like Proverbs of Solomon, these passages um, from this portion of the New Testament, they come so naturally. They're coming from the heart of the Apostle Paul. Um, They're like a rudder that's guided by the Spirit of God uh, through the decisions of life. And he's just given this counsel. He's pouring out on his Son in the Lord so that he has these bearings that they're so easy to get a hold of. These instructions are simple. They're, they're easy to get a hold of. And they're, they're things that all of us can get a hold of, even to this day, as we await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are things that we can apply. So, like tonight, we could take this list and we could pray over every one of those things and ask that God uh, find that in our lives, in the fruit of our labor, in the fruit of the people that we're investing in and the fruit of our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I mean, how many of us, I don't know about y'all, but I think I'm here today because somebody prayed for me. Um, I really believe that. I really do. I don't think I'm here just by chance. I don't think the circumstances of my life just happened out of pixie dust. And I'm not sure those prayers didn't come before I was born uh, or they didn't come from people that, that I didn't know when I got saved. You know, And so I'm not sure, but I do think God's honored prayer. And so prayer is important because we, we don't just want to see these. There's a time in our life where we want to see these things established in our life as well they should be, right? But once they're established in our life, we want to see these things established in other people's lives so that they can can establish them in other people's lives and it's generational and that is what discipleship is so point five his instruction is measurable it's measurable the things taught in second timothy and the bulk of paul's writings cause us to measure ourselves against the standard of christ so if we're if we're caught in the vortex of measuring ourselves against ourselves we should stop it we should quit it right we can't do that we got to pick up our bible and measure our life against the standard of Christ. And that's convicting. I mean, it really is. We, uh, measuring ourselves, what happens when we measure ourselves against ourselves? What, what are we really doing? We are being a fool. That's right. And really, that, the, the core of that is, is what we would call self righteousness. When you're measuring yourself against other people, it is self righteous. You're, you're measuring against, you know, self against self. There's a coffee cup under there. That is prohibited in the state of sanctuary so <laughs> uh, sorry ADD I'm just looking over and this cup is just like a big mug is sitting on the floor I'm like what is that doing here it's out of order uh, so um, that's how we get stains on the floor anyway so yeah so it should be measurable um, and it, but it shouldn't be measurable against one another we, we'll get self-righteous if we start measuring ourselves against ourselves Paul condemns that to the Corinthians so uh, we need to stop doing that uh, and, and pick up our Bible and make this the measuring stick for our life right? and that requires faithfulness that's why those that, that, that are faithful are faithful to the word of God because we can't, we can't possibly measure up to the Word of God unless we're full of faith. Because we have to believe God for His promises. Because the standard is impossible. right? The only way that we can walk in the Spirit is to die. And that's what Paul was just telling Timothy in 2 Timothy. right? We've got to exercise dying to self and not measuring ourselves with ourselves, which is self-righteousness, right? So there's that paradigm in our measurement. It needs to be, it needs to be bi- biblical. The instruction is measurable. So Paul is taking these really, like, you know, incredible spiritual concepts and, and bringing them down and saying, it's like a husbandman, it's like a workman, it's like, and he's giving these real practical analogies that, like, you can get your hands on, put some handles on that, and walk away with. So it's pretty cool. But his instruction is also not just measurable, but point six, it's transformational. You know, what makes it transformational? Uh, Because these are not the words of Paul. 
But you, Brian, you're always saying this is what Paul said. I know I said that. So you can't depend on me. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ written uh, written to us through his servant Paul. So let's be precise, right? So, yeah, God used Paul, but Paul's just an instrument. These are the words of God. Uh, just as Baruch was used of God to record the inspired words of God from Jeremiah, uh, so, the, so the ink on this page is supernatural and transforms our lives as we live from faith to faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So as we, we read the Word of God, we believe the Word of God, it transforms us. It's transformational, right? That is exactly what his instruction does. It transforms us. So it's not just a letter from Paul. It is a letter from God to us. These are things that change our lives. So those of us that are charged with communicating God's truth should take a long look at this, uh, at this including myself, and make sure that we're doing our diligence in communicating God's Word in a way that is understandable, applicable, teachable, and repeatable, and memorable. And i I got to tell you, I probably fail at every one of those, to be honest with you. I feel like I definitely don't measure up to that. But by God's grace, anyway, it's transformational. Right, and so, um, so to do all that we must do, do uh, to do all that we must, simply trust God to quicken us to communicate His word in a way that is supernatural. Like you can't produce supernatural, right? You can't like, I want supernatural, right? It just doesn't work like that, you know. If I stay up all night studying, it'll be supernatural. God will reward my uh, what is that? Uh, what is that Catholic? Uh, uh, Asceticism, right? He's going to award my asceticism, right? I'm going to beat myself and flog myself and God will but It's not like that. I mean, we get saved by grace and we operate by grace. That doesn't mean we shouldn't put the work in. No, we should put the work in, but only the supernatural power comes from God. I mean, that's the bottom line. We can't do the ministry in our flesh. It's just going to kill us. I mean, like literally. Uh, so you have to walk in the Spirit because the only way to get the supernatural work done is to walk in the Spirit. Now, we know God, Paul wrote that. I think it was either Colossians or the Galatians, right? He says, you can't finish in the flesh what God started in the Spirit. And so we do get, sometimes we get weary and well-doing, not because we're taking on too much, but because we're not walking in the Spirit. And so we, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's really got to make sure we got to check these things that our lives, our lives are being transformed because the work that God asks us to do is impossible. I just preached on that this morning, right? Like, oh, we need to get people saved. We just take the seats that were here, here this morning. Let's look at the seats right here. What if God wanted us to fill these seats tonight? I'm not talking about Sunday morning. Sunday night. That'd be quite a goal. That's well. That seems impossible. So, uh, I'm not saying with God, with God, nothing's impossible, but there better be something going on I don't know about, and it must be Jesus to fill up a Sunday night seats, right? It's not going to happen, I don't think, but it could. God's so funny, he may do that someday. But anyway, my point, you get what I'm saying. It's, a, it's, a, it's an act of faith. I mean, we do this stuff by faith. Uh, you can't do it in the flesh. I, there ain't enough announcements I could make to fill this place up on Sunday night. Uh, but you know what? God brings who he brings. And I'm happy with that. You know, it's up to God. It's supernatural. It's not, we can't do this stuff in the power of the flesh. So we just got to trust the Lord uh, for supernatural results. Now, before uh, you think that this is all just for pastors, it is, by the way, a pastoral epistle. Uh, The next time you sit down and open up some discipleship uh, lessons one-on-one or teach your child at home, consider the attributes of God's divine anointing upon your time of instruction. You know, uh, you have not because you ask not. Yeah, well, my time's not very divine. Well, have you asked God to make it divine? 
I just saw a good post uh, yesterday. I was convicted by this. Um, Pastor Kenny Morgan, uh, he's at some restaurant with his family, you know, taking a selfie. Um, and it wasn't just for image, uh, but he was talking about how, uh, yeah, we went out to breakfast today and we put on the table the topic of what God is doing in our life or whatever, something that it sounded really spiritual. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm sure it was. And he was really just saying, you know, we're, we got, I got me and my son and my daughter and my wife, we're just sitting here rapping about, you know, what God is doing in our lives right now and his word. And it was a great discussion. That's what he was excited about was the good discussion they had. Well, he's been intentional, right? And, it, and it's spiritual. And you know, if that's the heart, God will bring it. It'll be supernatural. But you have not because you ask not. And sometimes we have not because we don't do it. We just simply don't make it our priority. Uh, or we're not walking in the Spirit. So it's hard to have others walk in the Spirit if we're not walking in the Spirit. We're carnal. Well, then repent. Quit it. Get spiritual and get on, get on board and get your kids on board. And so, uh, point B, the instruction was very fruitful. So, it was very fruitful. Uh, So, uh, as Paul helps his son in the Lord with his identity because he was a fruitful follower. So, you would know uh, that there's nine identities that bear fruit. And you may remember this from the last time I preached this, but it's good to remember it again. Um, And uh, and, and so... um, uh, these things will identify us as a fruitful follower. Number one, is that in your notes? Did I leave them in there? Good, because it's, it's, that's a lot. Because that's something you need to walk away with, right? So they're all listed there. There's a son in verse two, um, and to my uh, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, right? So he's a son. In that same verse, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and uh, Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience, without ceasing, that I. Oh, I'm in chapter... I'm like, where's that at? Chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses is saying, Commit thou the faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So there he's a steward. And verse 3, And thou, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. There he's a soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So these things you can just really get your hands around, right? These are practical things that you can really uh, get your mind around. In verse 5, he's an athlete. And if any man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The farmer, in verses 6 and 7, the husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. I remember being a young Christian and reading that. And man, when I saw that promise, the Lord, when I saw that, it really it really inspired me. I'm like, whoa, if I understand this, the Lord will give me understanding in all things? Who doesn't want understanding in all things? Right? So you got to go back and see what he's... The husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. What does that mean? Well, if you don't put in labor, you aren't going to have any fruit. And also, if you don't partake of the fruit, you won't have any energy, right, to continue in the labor. And so it's somewhat cyclical, like farming is cyclical. And so a, a farmer that doesn't have some yield off, off the crop isn't going to be able to feed his family so he can go back out and plant more seed, right? So you have to take, there has to be some maintenance going on at all times. And, uh, and so um, that's important in, in the ministry. And so these are things we have to be intentional about. Uh, like a farmer. Farmers are wise, by the way. Uh, in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. 
if we therefore, uh, or if we believe not, <clears throat> yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself of these things. Put them in remembrance, charging them. We've been talking about that in Exodus before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So here we're talking about teaching. Right, it's important to teach uh, those uh, that we are charged uh, to oversee. In verse 15 he goes on, study. Now we've got to be a student. Study to show thyself approved. Not only are you the teacher, but you're the student. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then lastly, or not lastly, but next to last, you see this issue. I've been talking about this this morning with Pharaoh in verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. I, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Right, So there's some vessels that God uses for good work and some vessels that God uses for bad work. And we're talking about that even on Sunday morning. right? You can see that Moses and Aaron are vessels used for good work and you can see that Pharaoh is a vessel used for bad work. He's going to throw him out in the trash heap. And so you also see the parallel there between the types of vessels. Right, There's gold. Uh, particularly, he says... Where um, I lost it... 20, yeah. Gold and silver, and then he says wood and of earth. We don't have to be rocket scientists to know what he's talking about there, right? Because in First Timothy or First Corinthians, he speaks about the gold, uh, silver, and precious stones, and the wood, hay, and the stubble, right? We know the earth. These bodies are an earthly vessel. They're tabernacles. They're like they're made out of clay. We're formed out of the dust of the ground. So it behooves us, right, to be a good vessel, a vessel of honor that is purged, right? So as we go through the trials of life, are we found faithful? He's already talked about that. That's going to make a big difference if we're faithful or we're not faithful. Uh, And we need to be faithful. Uh, And then he says in verse 24, he's dealing with the servant. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, uh, patient. Uh, there's a passage, and it's not, I don't have it in my notes, it just came to my mind, but there's a passage in the Old Testament that talks about how God's gentleness has made, I think it's David writing, has made me great, you know. And we often think about God in these awesome terms, and He is awesome, but He's also gentle. It's a compliment to say someone's a gentleman, right? Today there's fewer and fewer gentlemen. Well, that doesn't mean that they're wimps. That means they have meekness, basically. And meekness is power under control. It's not that you're powerless. It's that your power is under control, right? You, you, have, you have decorum in the way you behave. And so the application here is that the eight illustrations listed in chapter 2 rest upon one attribute of being a son from chapter 1. So uh, there's, and there's eight of them listed in chapter 2, but there's, one in verse one, there's only one in verse 1, and that's in, or in chapter 1, I'm sorry, in verse 2, and that's being a son. You don't get to the other eight if you don't have the first one. You've got to be a son to get these other ones. And so the, the, if you're one with Christ, he makes you a new creature so you, can, so you can dwell in him and bear much fruit. And the number one thing I would say that hinders most of us from following Christ is our inability to identify with Christ as a faithful follower. So next time we come back, I'll uh, give you the number three. I'm going to hold that to my vest until next time. Uh, so, And I will talk about... The final countdown. No, it's not countdown. Don't put countdown in there. That is not the word. You'll have to come back 
and uh, and uh, I'll give you that one next time we get together. My time is up, so um, I appreciate your guys' time and attention uh, to that. So, uh, any questions? I'm sure you got for uh, anybody need to fill out the the blanks as I know I I blasted past a bunch of them. Uh, if you need that, you can have my notes and fill them in or what have you. All right. Thank you for coming tonight. We got the prayer pieces, and we have a few more folks here than uh, normally, so we will distribute these. Sorry, I don't have COVID. Let me. I just need a little sticky. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is good. So I was thinking also the problem of measuring yourself against yourself is. It can lead to depression. Oh. You can, you know, be. You've got to have the word to face yourself. You know that is so true. I today. I mean, I go. I mean, it's easy. You're absolutely right. Emotions can ebb and flow, and you have to believe the word over um, your, own. your own feelings. I was at Culver's today after after church, and uh, it's like when you preach, it's like an emotional high. Um, and so I'm over there at the Culver's, and I, and you ever just feel like, man, I'm, I just, I did terrible, you know, things because I went over time. I was a little bummed about that, and I'm like, that's just too much food for those those new people coming in. And I really wanted to get to the end of my message today. I was all focused on that, and, I, and it really hinged on. I had to put it all together to get to the end. At least I felt like I did. If I left the end out, I felt like I wasn't. I didn't do my job. But you know, you're just second guessing, and you just feel. And and the and the, and the Lord just said, Brian, you know. Uh, I don't really care how you feel. Did you do what I told you to do? I'm like, well, yeah, I did. So he's like, well, then, then quit it. Just quit it and get ready for the next one. You know, because you got more to do. I got, I got four more. I got five more sermons before this time next Sunday. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, uh, actually, I got six more sermons before this time next Sunday. So yeah, we've got, we've got to just do what God tells us to do and not worry about how we feel about it. However, you do also have to evaluate honestly and make sure. Uh, you know, you could do better, and that's what being a laborer is all about. And not, so, yeah. I mean, what was your message today, Moses? Do what the Lord told you to do, right? That's right, and you, and and trust in His ability. And so you have to. I mean, I got to walk what I preach. Yeah. Well, all of us do. I mean, whenever we stand up and you know speak the word of God, we have to obey what we speak. Isn't that true? Uh, what's in Timothy? Um, the verse is not coming to my mind. It's it's uh, yeah. Paul Paul encourages Timothy to basically to go back and and listen to what you said and and do take heed to the things that you say. The verse is falling out of my mind right now, but it is true. You don't want to be a hypocrite. You want to make sure that you you live out what you teach. All right. 